Welcome back. This is MLEX's weekly podcast. My name is James Paniki, coming to you from Melbourne, Australia. And as usual, we'll be covering the big stories of the moment with the assistance of our team of reporters around the world. It's great to have your company today. And there's been no bigger story over the past week than the imposition of a 1.3 billion US dollar fine on Meta platforms. It's the largest penalty issued to date under the European Union's General Data Protection Regulation, or GDPR. But don't let the dollar figure distract you. Meta will be able to afford it. In fact, the decision by European privacy enforcers is far more significant than a penalty because it could force Facebook to suspend transfers of personal data from the EU to the US. And that goes to the heart of the social media platform's business model. All of this unfolded on the fifth anniversary of the GDPR's implementation, so an enforcement announcement oozing with symbolism. And on today's podcast, we'll be covering it all. The decision by the Irish Data Watchdog, the future of transatlantic data exchanges, and in just over 10 minutes from now, we'll be joined by MLEX's Mike Swift in Silicon Valley to talk about the GDPR's global impact. First up, though, our reporters Sam Clark and Matthew Newman have been covering recent developments with their usual panache, and they join me now from our offices in Brussels. So, Sam, uh, firstly, tell us something about what has been described as the most consequential GDPR enforcement action that could have been taken. Uh, walk us through that decision. Yeah, so uh, probably the first thing to say is that it's been a long time coming. People have been waiting for this in one form or another for nearly a decade now. So that's kind of some uh, <laughs> some context for it. The decision itself, there's three main aspects to it. So uh, Meta has been told to s- suspend data transfers through its Facebook service um, from the EU to the US. It's been told to effectively delete data that it sent from the EU to the US since July 2020, since the date of the Schrems 2 decision, which uh, GDPR nerds will know all about. Um, and the third part is a 1.2 billion euro fine, which is uh, the highest so far under the GDPR by quite a long way. So it's clearly a far-reaching uh, decision. It's not just about the, the dollar figure. There's more to it than that. Tell us something about the significance of this decision. Yeah, so uh, in a word, it's very significant. The suspension of the data transfers uh, is really the headline thing. Everyone had been expecting this, but when it comes, it's still pretty shocking. It doesn't directly affect other companies. Um, it's significant in its own right because it affects you know, one of the largest companies in the world. It doesn't directly affect other companies, but it does really tell them it's a big signal to the market. It's kind of a big sending shockwaves through the market because it's telling them that they can't use or they shouldn't use or there are doubts about using one of the most commonly used legal mechanisms for transferring data to the US. Really, actually, the only available legal mechanism for doing that. And that's important because all the tools that we all use all the time, kind of every cloud service provider, every, you know, the Microsoft suite, for example, um, they're all based in the US. And so just inevitably, data is flowing from the EU to the US all the time, constantly, vast amounts of it. And if that couldn't happen... Uh, well, we'd be in trouble, lots of things would stop working. And yeah, so that's really the the big deal. Um, On the the data deletion order, this is pretty novel, pretty new, and I think if if companies started getting ordered to do that a lot, uh, they'd be in trouble as well, because that's that's kind of no mean feat. It's not a simple thing to do, um, and would probably uh, cost a lot of money, both in the sense of having to do it, but also... um, the value lost by not having access to the data anymore. Now, this decision comes at a time in which the European Union is marking 
the five-year anniversary of the legislation coming into force. So it's a big moment, uh, rich in symbolism. But what does this fine and, and what does this decision tell us about the GDPR and does it show that uh, enforcement under GDPR is in fact working? Uh, so that's a, a kind of a vexed question. Some people would say, yes, it does show that it's working. Others would say, no, it's still kind of too little too late. The thing about the fine specifically is that it's a big amount of money, but it's still not that big for Facebook, um, for Meta. And the other thing is that it's taken a long time to get here. I think what it does show is that, you know, the GDPR can can be really, really significant and really important um, and can affect these sort of really big decisions. I think that uh, the process, the way in which we got here is probably actually the most contentious part of it. But uh, I think we're going to talk more about that in a minute. Yes, indeed. Look, Matthew, let me bring you into the conversation at this point. And let's talk about the risk that other companies will have their data flows from Europe blocked by data protection authorities, just as happened in in this occasion. Hello, James. It's not a surprise that companies are very, very worried about this decision. Meta itself has warned in numerous SEC filings that its entire business could be shut down in Europe because it would no longer be able to transfer data to the United States. Um, However, that's really unlikely to happen. And the reason is because Uh, The United States and the EU have been engaged in talks for the last couple of years to replace the data transfer mechanism known as the Privacy Shield, which was annulled by the European Court, the highest European Court, uh, the European Court of Justice, in July 2020. And the talks on that are moving ahead uh, at full pace. And so the European Commission put out a statement Uh, just on Monday after the Meta decision saying that the new data privacy framework will be in place by the summer. So that is absolutely great news for all these companies that are extremely worried, uh, as as we all know that how essential data flows are for the modern economy. Um, They're they're worried that that was all going to be shut down. But if we have a new... EU-US data privacy framework in place, then all those worries will be gone because they'll have a new mechanism. And the Commission specifically said that it will apply to all transatlantic data transfers, regardless of the transfer mechanism used. And that would include the uh, SCCs uh, that were annulled, uh, well, uh, uh, were ruled against by the the Irish just a couple of days ago. The thing thing that... uh, I think is really fascinating about this decision is that um, we are in this holding pattern until the actual uh, document, the actual agreement is is in place, and that is supposed to be by the summer, as I say. Uh, but until then, um, there is that worry that um, data protection authorities around Europe will look at the meta decision and say, well, lo and behold, we've got a very similar case with other companies and we're going to rule against them. And just yesterday uh, in Finland, a really fascinating case uh, in terms of the timing, the Finnish Data Protection Authority ruled against the um, Finnish Meteorological Institute's use of Google Analytics. And these recaptcha 
verification service uh, that everyone um, uses on websites. Um, that involves a data transfer, and the uh, authority said that uh, should not be happening and, and ruled that they should stop them. On top of that, they ruled that the data that's already been transferred should be deleted. So just in line with the meta decision. So here we have in Finland a, an identical decision, albeit a, a pretty small website, but that just shows you the risks that um, other data protection authorities might use the meta decision as as evidence that they can go after other companies. Now, Matthew, Max Schrems, who is the originator of the Irish case against Meta and has become something of a celebrity as a result of all of the legal action he's taken, well, he has vowed now to challenge the new framework which has been put forward. Does this mean that in several years the US and the EU will have to revise the deal for a fourth time, so yet again? I think this is one of the big risks that everyone is worried about. Uh, and I, Max Schrems was in Paris yesterday at a symposium at the French Data Protection Authority. Uh, and instead of you know, uh, doing a victory lap, um, he was actually quite sheepish about the whole meta decision. He was like, yeah, this is great, but it took 10 years. And it's hardly over because you know, it's going to be at the European court anyway. So the, the big, big question that we, uh, you know, the U.S. and the EU still have not resolved is what to do about the U.S. Uh, surveillance laws. And this is what um, the Irish ruled against. It's, it's called FISA. It's the U.S. Foreign Intelligence Surveillance Act. And it's under renewal this year. So it's, it's a hot topic in Washington right now. And what happens is that under this law, the U.S. surveillance authorities have the full uh, legal authority to investigate and and get data from uh, transfers, um, data transfers, and that's what um, Edward Snowden revealed um, more than ten years ago, and none of that is going to change. So that law is is going to be on the books, um, probably will be renewed, um, and then what we have is. Schrems making the exact same argument that the mass surveillance of U.S. authorities uh, of, of European, on European data is going to continue under this new um, U.S. data privacy framework. And that, he'll argue, is a violation of the GDPR. So we are at risk of having the exact same kind of review. Um, it may be the same result. Um, you know, the, the, the European Parliament has been extremely uh, critical of this new uh, privacy framework, has raised the same points as Max Schrems, and we uh, could be facing the same kind of decision in a couple of years from now. And so we are facing the prospect of going through all of this yet again. But Sam, let me bring you back into the conversation. Now, for every fine imposed by the EU data protection authorities for every significant decision that they make, such as this one, there's always an appeal lurking in the background, right? So what does the expected appeals process and the regulatory infighting from this case, what do these things tell us about some of the flaws or the shortcomings of uh, GDPR enforcement? Yeah, so um, appeals are usually pretty inevitable with big cases like this, and yeah. Uh, Meta came out straight away and said they will be appealing. And importantly, in this case, 
they said they'll also be seeking a stay of the orders. Um, they were given a, a five and six month uh, sort of grace period to do as they've been told. Appeals don't automatically pause the effect of the orders, um, so hence they need to apply for a stay. I think in terms of the appeals process itself, what we can see is the issues with the way that the case has had to go through the uh, what's known as the Article 65 dispute resolution procedure. We know now that uh, Ireland did not want to impose this massive fine, nor did they want to impose this data deletion order. They just thought that suspending the, the transfers would be enough. What this means, inevitably, is that uh, Meta will fight the, uh, fight the enforcement on multiple fronts, including in Europe. It's done that before in other cases. Um, and one of the arguments it makes is that essentially it, it wasn't given due process, it wasn't given the right to be heard, um, because relatively late in the, in the day, you know, this, this enforcement has taken a very long time, and then kind of in the last few months, uh, the European Data Protection Board, which is the umbrella body of all EU data protection authorities has added these two really significant things to the to the enforcement and Meta is essentially looking to take advantage of this kind of regulatory infighting the the regulators disagree the Irish regulator is overruled and Meta says well that's not fair basically this has happened in other cases we don't know how successful Meta's arguments are going to be but if they are successful in these other cases, such as, uh, for example, a 225 million euro fine against WhatsApp, that probably will suggest that they'll be successful here. So that's kind of one of the big issues, really, is that regulators disagree and they kind of add new penalties at the last minute. Uh, and that may be a weakness, maybe a chink in the armour of, uh, of the defence. And Sam, just very briefly, how does the European Commission plan on addressing the procedural problems with the GDPR? Uh, so it has introduced or is consulting on uh, a regulation. Uh, it's kind of a, a regulation applying to the GDPR uh, and what it looks to do is harmonise um, procedural rules. So one of the big problems that everyone always talks about and it, it sort of sounds really boring and prosaic but it's very important in terms of GDPR enforcement is that national procedural rules apply just differently in every country. It's just inevitable, you know, years and years of the courts working in a certain way and, um, you know, just laws working in a certain way means things like deadlines, confidentiality, access to documents, uh, et cetera, et cetera, are just different everywhere. Um, and the combination of that with uh, EU regulators being forced to work together under the same rules under the GDPR has proved challenging, to say the least. So the European Commission is, is going to address that through this um, this regulation, which we should see quite soon. Sam, Matthew, great talking as always. I'm looking forward to our 10-year GDPR anniversary if we're still alive and kicking and reporting on this kind of stuff. But thank you very much. Thank you. It's been a pleasure. Sam Clark is an MLEX correspondent covering data privacy and security in the UK and Ireland. Matthew Newman is MLEX's chief correspondent covering data protection, privacy and cybersecurity. Today, both of them were in our Brussels offices on the occasionally noisy Rue de la Loire. And we'll post a link to their recent writing on these issues at our website, mlexmarketinsight.com. That's M-L-E-X marketinsight.com. Just click on the News Hub tab for all of the latest reporting and analysis from MLEX's global team. 
And of course, the reason why the GDPR's fifth anniversary is noteworthy is not just because of billion-dollar fines being handed to some of the world's largest digital players, it's also because of the legislation's global impact. Obviously, the laws don't apply outside the EU, yet any jurisdiction wanting to do business with the bloc will need to contend with GDPR privacy standards. And that has created a de facto global benchmark for privacy legislation. Mike Swift is MLEX's Chief Global Digital Risk Correspondent, and he joins us now from our offices in San Francisco. So, uh, Mike, Matthew was talking just now about the EU-US privacy framework, but uh, looking beyond that relationship, maybe tell me something about the role of the GDPR in the development of data protection laws around the world. Yeah, sure. So over the last dozen years, there's been a huge expansion in the number of countries that have data protection laws in place. And over and over, uh, if you look at these laws, you see very strong echoes of the GDPR. You see these key data protection concepts like um, data minimization and purpose limitation and data subjects and processors and controllers that are all repeated over and over again in in the privacy laws of these other states. So the experts who have really studied why these laws are are, um, expanding really agree that the GDPR is by far the most consequential uh, privacy law in the world because it has been emulated in so many other countries. Well, let's talk about that. How many countries have a data protection law compared to a decade ago when EU lawmakers were first uh, talking about what would then uh, become the GDPR, or even five years ago when the law took effect? How has the landscape changed? Yeah, we, we've just uh, done a story on that, and we really wanted to, to answer the question, what has been the impact of the GDPR outside of Europe? And um, we, we relied really heavily on the scholarship of a law professor there in Australia, Graham Greenleaf, who's at the University of New South Wales. And he's really kind of been recognized uh, as really the preeminent authority on the expansion of data protection law. And he just published a, a study uh, just a week or so ago where he has, uh, this is his seventh global survey of uh, data protection laws. The first one he did back in 2011, there were 76 countries that had laws. Now there are 162. So basically over a dozen years, the number of countries have doubled. And uh, over the last five years, there's been uh, about 42 new countries that have passed data protection laws, almost all of them outside of Europe. And almost almost all of them, you can see the clear fingerprints of the GDPR on the texts of those laws. So it's had certainly a very important effect. Now, Mike, you're just a bike ride away from Silicon Valley, right? So what do big tech companies that are based there, what do they think about GDPR? You know, I've I've been having some private conversations with companies recently. And, um, you know, they uh, essentially acknowledge that the GDPR is the global standard. When they are looking internally at whether their products comply with the law, they basically look at the GDPR and they may crosswalk that back to the local law. I mean, California, where we are now, has a, an important state privacy law. But really, it's the GDPR that is kind of uh, preeminates over that, if, uh, if that's a word. And, you know, there is a little frustration. I think uh, the, the previous panel sort of talked about uh, the big penalties that um, were, was handed down to Meta this week. Um, some of the companies 
uh, I think, feel like concepts that they thought were cleanly defined you know, years ago are still kind of up for grabs. And, and that's frustrating to them because they feel like the goalposts are moving, to use an American football term. Um, but, you know, generally, I think um, it's well acknowledged that the GDPR is the global standard for data protection. And whereabouts in the world outside the European Union has the GDPR been most influential and where has it been least influential for that matter? Sure. Um, so we, we looked at two sources of data for this story, uh, Professor Greenleaf's uh, study and also the United Nations, which tracks the, the, the spreading of uh, data protection law. And Professor Greenleaf feels like uh, it's really been Africa, Latin America and Asia where the law has been most influential, least influential in the Caribbean and in Pacific nation countries that are still developing countries, they tend to be very small, places like you know, Micronesia, Vanuatu, Fiji, that don't have laws yet. Um, so it hasn't really filtered to places like that. But um, really, th- Africa is a very fascinating place to look at because it's had some of the fastest um, uptake of data protection laws in the last few years. And most recently, Nigeria just finished, its parliament has just passed a law Tanzania uh, is another one. Um, so there are many countries that there in Africa that are passing laws, also Latin America. And what's really notable is that these are some of the largest countries in the world. Uh, if you're looking at you know, Indonesia, Nigeria, um, uh, that have passed laws in recent years, uh, those are some of the biggest populations in the world. And so you can really look back to the GDPR and say that it's really protected the privacy of many more people outside of Europe indirectly than even people within Europe. You know, billions of people rather than hundreds of millions. And and that's kind of a really interesting story. Mike, thank you for talking to us today. Thank you for your coverage over the past five years of GDPR. It's been fascinating to see how this has all unfolded. Let's talk again very soon. Sounds great. Yeah, our toddler is starting to grow up. So (laughs) (laughs) that's right. Take care, James. Thank you. Mike Swift is MLEX's chief global digital risk correspondent, and he was speaking to us from San Francisco. His wrap of the global impact of the GDPR is ready for you to read at our website, mlexmarketinsight.com. That's mlexmarketinsight.com. And today we went way over our allocated time. Thank you so much for your patience. A reminder that the podcast is produced and presented by me, James Paniki. It's published with the kind assistance of MLEX's marketing team in London, and our executive producer is Richard Thompson. From everyone here at MLEX and LexisNexis, thank you for your company. I'll see you again very soon. Bye for now. Mm-hmm.